0: and welcome to the Stumbling Through Scripture podcast, the official companion to the Stumbling Through Scripture blog. If you haven't checked it out yet, have a look at the link in the description. If you like what you read, sign up for email updates. This is amazing. Stumbling Through Scripture blog posts each week straight direct into your email inbox. What more could you want? I mean, get it for your family, for their birthdays, their Christmas presents. It's free. You just sign up in your email. They'll thank you, I'm sure. Anyway, my name's Archie Catchpole, I'm a Bible nerd living in London, I'm absolutely delighted to be sharing with you this week from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, where Jesus uh, heals a man possessed by a demon, and also some pigs die along the way, so we're going to be having a little look at that, but I just wanted to start off by saying in the past couple of weeks, we've spoken about donkeys, and I came in a little bit of flack for saying that donkeys are pathetic. Now, okay, donkeys... Back in the ancient times when Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem, that wasn't pathetic. That was really cool and regal and awesome and kingly. But nowadays, like donkeys, we've got better animals, like cars or limousines. So in that respect, donkeys are pathetic. And I had in mind to come out and apologize for saying that donkeys are pathetic and to correct myself and say that donkeys aren't pathetic. Um, But we've just spent over this past weekend a family family holiday camping near a donkey sanctuary and so we got to experience donkeys live and in the flesh right in our faces and I have to say okay so there's like this massive courtyard of like maybe there's 15 to 20 donkeys and literally they were all just standing there just completely still not doing anything they were so boring. The only cool thing to come out of the donkey sanctuary, I mean, once you've seen one donkey, right, they're basically all the same, like, oh, different colours, different sizes, different names, as if donkeys even know their names. Um. So, but the rest of it was great, just the donkeys were a bit underwhelming. However, there was a blind donkey called Archie, and that kind of, that was exciting because we share a name, and that was cool. Anyway, that's probably enough about donkeys because you're not here to talk about donkeys. We're here to talk about the Bible, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're looking at, as I said, Mark chapter five with the pigs. This story, this story with the pigs and the demon, it's such an unusual story. It's such an unsettling story. Okay, and right, and Mark. So the the gospel writer Mark, he's known for like being quite short and brief in his descriptions. Well, what we have here in chapter five, okay, is we've got three stories. The demon-possessed man being healed, a girl restored to life, so Jairus, the single leader's daughter, is, like, restored to life. She's resurrected, basically. And then the woman with the blood problem, she touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed. So we've got those three stories in Mark chapter 5 and all of them. There's so much detail in all of them. Like, we're normally used to, right, when we're reading an exorcism in Mark, we're used to the kind of stuff in, like, Mark 1, Twenty-one to twenty-seven, where the exorcism is just like the demon cries out, "What for you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God?" And Jesus is like, "Shut up, come out of him," and they come out. Whereas in this one, we like we're privy to a whole conversation between Jesus and the demon, where he's like, "Oh, what's your name, demon?" and stuff like that. So this is unusual in the amount of detail that Mark goes into, but it's also unusual because the demon is like fantastically strong and also because there's pigs and the demons get cast out and they go into the pigs and then the pigs go off a cliff and die in the sea so it is a really weird story and it's also quite unsettling so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the demon then we're going to look at the pigs because we're really unsettled by the fact that there are pigs but the original people who were there to watch this incident live and the original people who would have heard Mark's gospel like written shortly after. In fact, until very recently, most people would have been so disturbed, not by the pigs and the fact that they die, but by the fact that this demon is like fantastically strong and Jesus is even stronger still. So without any further ado, let's get started. Okay, so first things first, before we get to the pigs, let's just take a look at this demon, Legion, okay? And the first thing that we just have to know is that Jesus has cast out demons before, right? In fact, his first exorcism is in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 27. That's the first exorcism account, verses 1 to 28, actually, and people are amazed that Jesus cast the demons out, um, that they obey him, that he's teaching with such authority, and... It says in verse 28, at once his fame began to spread around like the surrounding region of Galilee. And so Jesus is then, he goes on this preaching tour around Galilee and literally just in such a throwaway comment, Mark is like, and he went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Like it's just, it's second nature to Jesus to cast out demons because he's Jesus, he's awesome. And when he sees evil, like evil flees at his name, it's just fantastic. It's amazing some people don't quite understand that though and so the scribes so like the theologians of their days in mark chapter 3 we have this interesting conversation dispute i guess between jesus and the scribes and the scribes come up and they're like oh um jesus has got Belzebub, so like the ruler of the demons and it's like by the rule of the demons he casts out demons and obviously jesus is like well No, (laughs) of course not. Like, I'm not casting out demons by the ruler of demons. Jesus admits that Satan does have a kingdom, but it's like, if that kingdom's divided against itself, then that kingdom can't stand. So, of course, like, Jesus isn't casting out evil by evil because that would just be completely contradictory. But this passage is really important for when we get to Mark chapter 5 because, firstly, as if we hadn't realised it already, Jesus isn't evil and he makes this clear but secondly Jesus admits that Satan's got a kingdom and that there are strong people in Satan's kingdom and so what do we see in Mark chapter 5 except the strong man one of Satan's strongest soldiers in fact this guy called Legion Mark he wants to make it just incredibly clear to us just how bad this Legion demon is so I think there are six main ways that Mark tips us off that Legion is a bad dude and so I guess I'll just run through them real quick. And so the first thing is that Mark points out to us. He highlights the fact that Legion is triply unclean. Okay, so in terms of the Jewish like ritual purity, he's unclean in three main ways. The first way is that he lives the other side of the lake. This region that the demon possessed guy in, uh, we'll call him Legionnaire, because the demon's called Legion, and so. If you're part of a legion, then you're like a legionnaire and it's just nice. The guy doesn't have a name and I thought like I could call him something like Keith or like Steve or something. But I feel like legionnaire is just a bit more, a bit more topical. So legionnaire, he lives the other side of the lake and that's in Gentile land. So that's the first thing that makes him unclean. He lives in Gentile land. He he probably could be a Gentile himself, in fact. Secondly, quite simply, he's possessed by an unclean spirit. Uh, it doesn't really need much explaining to be honest if you're if you're possessed by an unclean spirit that's a sign of uncleanliness right and thirdly he lives among the dead so we read a couple of times actually that in verse three it starts off he lived among the tombs no one could restrain him and then i think it's repeated again Oh yeah, verse 5, night and day among the tombs. And these tombs, they wouldn't have been just like tombstones and like a graveyard. It would have been kind of like massive cave tomb things. So he would have like the space to like stand up, roam around, like set himself up like a little kitchen bed, stuff like that. I don't know what his interior decor was like. Probably pretty dark, judging by what else we know about him. And what else do we know about him? Good question. So... The second thing that Mark kind of does, is like a literary device to just tip us off that legion's bad. It comes in verse three and there's like this triple team of negatives. So it's like this triplet of knots. And if we translate the verse literally, we read that and not even with a chain, no longer, no one was able to bind him. And obviously that's a really awkward translation. <laughs> uh, so it is really good that we don't translate things literally all of the time. But the effect that this has with all of these triple no's or nots is that it's just made abundantly clear that he's just so strong, nobody has been able to control this demoniac, this guy legionnaire. Nobody's been able to do it. And as if we missed that point, uh, just in case we did, Mark then goes in like verses three and four, he has like this kind of chiasmus, which is a literary technique of like reverse order repetition. I'm just realising, actually, as I'm speaking, that speaking this chiasmus to you might not be the same as if you were to read it, but basically, like, there are three lines, like A, B, and C, and then they're, like, repeated, but in reverse order, so, like, C reverse, B reverse, A reverse, and basically what it does is it is just repetition, it just reinforces the idea that you want to make, and the idea that Mark wants to make, the idea that Mark wants to put forward is that... This guy, legionnaire, is ridiculously hench, like he's ripped. Nobody can control him, nobody can bind him. And so we read the start of the Christmas in verse 3, no one could restrain him anymore. Then line B, he had often been restrained with shackles, and then C, and chains. Then the reverse, we're going back now, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. So obviously, like, that's a lot of shackles and chains and attempts to restrain him, but nobody apparently is strong enough. So we've seen that Legion here is incredibly strong, but what we also now begin to see is that he's incredibly severe and sadistic, and also that he's remarkably sizable. In terms of the severity of the possession, just turn to, like, mark... Five, verse 5 night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones and so we can kind of read that and just pass over it as part of the description of the demon but if you really stop and think about it night and day continually this is something that it doesn't just periodically happen to legionnaire that oh oh Boy, I've been possessed by the demon again. Oh no! Better go home before anyone sees me. No, this is constant. It's the whole time, night and day. He's among the tombs, living among among the dead. And then we see that he's howling on the mountains, and he's bruising himself with stones. This is—he's so severely afflicted. And, and to be honest, like it is, when you stop and you think about it and you picture it, it's just—it's freaky but it's also devastating. This man's life is just completely ruined. He hates himself. He's trying to destroy himself the whole time, and he's like as close to death as you can almost get without dying. So Legion, the demon, is just really severe. He is sadistic. He's intent, hell-bent, literally hell-bent on destroying God's good creation. And then finally Mark points us out that he's incredibly numerous which i always think is quite funny because he's talking in the singular and then he just shifts to the plural says oh my name's legion for we are many like okay (laughs) as if we didn't know that you were weird by now now we definitely know there's some kind of split personality thing going on and the split personality thing is split roughly like six thousand times so when jesus asks what is your name in verse 9 he replies my name is legion for we are many So the legion, it's most likely a reference to a Roman army legion. Um, Mark's using it to make the point that legion is many. He's incredibly strong and sizable as a demon because in the Roman army, a legion would have numbered about 6,000 men. So you've got about 6,000 demons, I suppose. This demon is fantastically, amazingly strong. He's unclean. Nobody can stop him, restrain him. He's just living his best life, destroying God's creation. He is despicably evil. Then he meets Jesus. Legion knows as soon as he's met Jesus that he's doomed. All that he can ask for is that he's not tortured or tormented or killed before the proper time. Like he knows that Jesus is going to come and destroy all evil. And so what we then see is this kind of negotiation. And well, it's just weird how it kind of happens. Legion wants to stay in the area. He wants to stay in the region. And so he's like, can I move into this herd of pigs? And Jesus, he he gives them permission. He says, yeah, you can go into the pigs. I don't know... It's really difficult to understand why this happened, because Mark doesn't explain it. We can't read the mind of the demon, so we don't know why Legion wanted to go into the pigs, and nor can we read the mind of Jesus here. We don't know what Jesus was thinking. But we do know what happens. We know that the unclean spirits come out of the man, and they enter the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank or cliff into the lake, and they were drowned in it. We'll move on to talk about what happens to the pigs and potentially why in a couple of seconds. But firstly, what we see here is the total redemption of a man who was ravaged by evil, whose life was ruined by evil. And he meets Jesus and Jesus heals him, restores him, and sends him back out as a living, breathing miracle. It's fantastic. Jesus is so much stronger than Legion. He is so much stronger than the strongest of satan's forces and he has complete control over evil he is lord over evil and we can get confused and upset about the pigs as much as we want but the key point of this passage is that jesus is lord over everything even over satan and the spiritual world and jesus brings healing and redemption but we are confused by the pigs We are unsettled by what happens to the pigs, and so they do deserve a bit of our attention. So let's go there now. (sighs) So when we're reading this story, it's just, it's devastating what happens to the pigs, I guess. Like, why couldn't they have just gone to the market? Or why didn't the pigs just stay at home and have their roast beef? Why do they have to die? But the fact is that no clues are given to us as to why Jesus lets Legion, the unclean spirits, go into the pigs. We know that Legion wants to go into the pigs so that he can stay in the area. But other than that, we just don't know. Mark just doesn't seem bothered. He doesn't seem to care. All he focuses on is the fact that Jesus is stronger than Legion, the demon, that Jesus restores this man's life back to him. That's what Mark focuses on and not the pigs. And so we're in a bit of a predicament because there's not much that we can say conclusively from the evidence that we have there in the text, from the story. The one thing that we can see from the story is that the pigs are happy on the hillside until the demon enters them. And firstly, I have to say that if you look at the text, it seems unlikely that Legion tricked Jesus into going into the pigs so that Legion could destroy the pigs because Legion, he wants to stay the place. He begs Jesus earnestly not to send legion out of the country. He wants to stay where he is and so if legion wanted to stay where he was then why would as soon as he gets that chance to stay where he was immediately ruin it by just crashing down off of a cliff? I think instead what happens is that the unclean spirits enter the pigs and they just hurtle down into the sea and die and so this is a it's a disgusting image, it's a messy image, it's just all over the place, it's disturbing. And we don't like to read it, and rightly so. But the truth is, the the quite simple truth is that that is evil. That's what evil does. Evil hates ordinary existence, it hates flourishing, fruitful existence, and it wants to destroy creation, it wants to hinder creation, it wants to stop God's rule in creation and it will do whatever it can to bring that about. It will do whatever it can to ruin creation. We see Legion, the demon, he torments Legionnaire almost to the point of death. As I've said, like as close to death as you can get without dying. But with these pigs, like they just, they just can't take it. The demons, the unclean spirits come upon them and they are just overwhelmed and they surge off the cliff and die. And This does raise uncomfortable questions, but I suppose that the thing to remember in the midst of it is that this is, we don't live in a perfect world, we do live in a fallen world where evil, it doesn't have full power, but it does have some influence, and it used that influence to kill a bunch of pigs. Jesus didn't stop it at the time, could Jesus have stopped it at the time? I don't know. But if we focus on the pig so much, we forget that Jesus has just healed a man tormented by a demon. And that's a fantastic thing. If we focus on the pig so much as well, we forget that Jesus has control and power and authority over evil. And that Jesus will exert that authority at the end of time to completely judge and destroy evil. And there will be a time where the lion and the lamb will live together, presumably with the pig watching on as well so we are disturbed by the pigs and rightly so. I'm disturbed by the the demon thing, by the fact that Jesus has such power and authority over evil. This is a, it is an unsettling passage, it is a disturbing passage, but the thing that we can take away from it as Christians is that Jesus has ultimate power and authority and also we can remember that Jesus gives this ultimate power and authority to those who follow him. After Mark chapter 5, we read in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus called the 12 his disciples and he sends them out two by two and gives them authority over the unclean spirits. So the very same authority that Jesus just exampled, exhibited over evil is the exact same authority that we as Christians today can use over evil. And so as we just bring this episode to a close, I guess the question for all of us is How are we using the authority that Jesus gives us? Where are there places of evil, whether they're evil spirits maybe possessing people, but maybe possessing institutions or things like that? Where is there evil in the world that we can use Jesus' authority to bring good and healing, redemption and restoration? And with all of that said, it's time to bring this episode to a close. This has been a special episode, a little detour, from the journey that we started through Mark chapter 11 to the end, Mark 16. So next week we'll be carrying on in Mark chapter 12, the parable of the wicked tenants. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that we'll learn a lot and be inspired a lot. And if you have missed any of the previous episodes and want to just get up to speed and where we are in Mark 11 to 16, then please do check out the previous blog posts and... A podcast episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I've had a great time sharing this passage with you. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've learned a little something and I hope that you've been challenged and inspired to love Jesus a little more and to live like him a little further as well. I'm so grateful for all of the support and encouragement I've received as I've started out with summing through scriptures. So I do want to just say thank you to everyone who has helped and encouraged me and If this has helped and encouraged you then please do feel free to share it on social media, share it with your friends and with your churches. I'm not at all fussed about likes or popularity but if there are people out there who are really interested in digging deeper into the scriptures and stumbling through them then of course I would just love to help them to be a tool and just one of many resources that helps them to understand this big story of God. So if you've enjoyed Stumbling Through Scripture so far or if you know someone or some people who you think would enjoy it as well then please feel free to share it on your social media or with your youth groups or churches. Thank you all so much again for listening and until next time, stumble with care.